Welcome back to the Athlete Hackers Podcast. My name is Chris Schrade. And my name is Mark Spellman. Today, we have a gentleman that's going to be on who is a former student athlete of mine, has now become a friend, and more importantly, is probably the reason that Chris and I sit here on a weekly basis doing the podcast. It is my honor and my pleasure to introduce Owen Salvestrini. Big O, what's hey happening, buddy? What's happening? I appreciate uh, This is actually the second time I've ever been on someone else's podcast. So, uh, like, you know, Chris and you guys, like, kind of maneuvering the conversation in ways you want to do. So, this is, like, the first time – or second time I've been on a podcast. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Like, um, Is, it, is it weird sitting in that seat? You're not used to that, right? <laughs> I, it is kind of weird, and I don't want to – I have so much to say. Listen – there's, there's no script here. So if you need to take over, this becomes the Owen podcast. It is what it is, man. <laughs> yeah. But um, just, you know, this first time meeting Chris, but Mark has been, um, you know, my former strength coach at, at, um, at Fairfield U has helped me tremendously during the college careers and honestly has become a very good friend of mine. I would say the last like couple of years where we got connected, we weren't talking for a while and um you know, we're, we're almost like the same people, really, you know? <laughs> so for those that don't know, uh, Owen has a, 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 what, what would call a, a podcast, also Instagram, uh, the Lion, yep. Lion Breast Movement. Um, and I was- I've actually, I've, I've changed it. It's now the Mental Strength Project. That's just me, analytics with Instagram and stuff like that. And- uh, the, the lion's breath was kind of getting people not understanding like my direction. And I, you know, on Instagram, you know, people like to search if they're looking for like mental health or mental strength, they will search for it. So I've actually had a lot more people following me since I changed my name, because I think over the course of the last five years, I've had the Instagram that's the direction I've gone into mental strength, mental health. And, and Mark and I have talked about this at length. Um, I think this is like the perfect time to really get into mental strength. I mean, with what's going on, you know, all over the country and everything. So uh, for those that, for those that have not listened, um, all three of us have had some sort of physical ailment that has come up in our lives. Uh, Chris, Chris with testicular cancer, Owen dealing with some heart issues and I've had some heart and some uh, neurological issues that I've been dealing with. Um, so all three of us can talk about how the physical, how the physical aspect affects your mental and how the mental affects your physical and how they work kind of together. And that's kind of where I'm, I'm envisioning what we're going to talk about today. So for those that are coming yeah. to listen in, for those that are coming in and want to talk about sets, reps and stuff like that, we might touch on that, but this is more about how we're going to take care of you uh, with your physical and mental health. So any anybody that wants to talk about, you know, what they've dealt with, I mean, I'll, I guess I'll start uh, approximately, yeah. approximately about eight years ago. Um, I was having some uh, stomach issues and I, you know, I was doing payroll at the New Canaan YMCA and I had to lay down on the floor because my stomach was hurting so bad. Uh, and then I went to the doctor and they were like, you got to go to the hospital. You have diverticulitis. And I was like, okay, whatever that is. Um, went to the <laughs> hospital. They put me on, they put, they put you on bowel rest, which is a nice way of saying that we're not going to feed you, um, for a couple of days. Uh, they put an IV in, make sure you stay hydrated, make sure you get your, your fuel and all that stuff that way. It's a good way to lose weight. I thought, I think in like three days, I lost about 10 pounds. I don't recommend it for anybody. Um, after that, I had to get a, um, I had to get uh, the old the old intestines check. Um, so I went and got that done. And when I was getting that done, the 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 technicians were like, "Dude, you're an AFib. You need to go see a cardiologist." Um, so I was I, I did that for a while. Um, mm -hmm. Went in and out. Got zapped. Have been zapped about ten times. Have had two procedures done um, to keep to try and keep me in normal rhythm. And then we had the neurological issue where I had T7 and T1 fused. And then I'm also dealing with some other neurological issues. But with all that being said, physical, it affected me mentally. 
Um, and my ability to be physical was how I usually dealt with whatever was going on with me mentally. If I was having issues, if I was having a bad day, I would always go work out. Right. When I was at Fairfield University, I would always work out at the end of the day. So I didn't go come home in a bad mood because of whatever happened during the day. So that's right. how I that's how I dealt with it. So to be told, hey Mark, you can't work out for a couple months. I was like, you don't really you don't really realize what you're telling me, right? Yeah. So, you know, and, and this is where Owen and I really hooked up. Um, because I saw I saw on his Instagram what he was talking about as far as mental health and and dealing with that and i you know if you want to check those those podcasts out they are definitely on his site um they're long <laughs> they are long they're long they're discussion actually, they're, they're really good but they're open they're and honest yeah and, and yeah. it's one of those things it's um you know as you look at we have uh, three gentlemen here that you know we're 30 40 and 50 years old i don't i think you're 30 right on I'm 38. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're getting close. I to think. <laughs> I think. Um, but but for all those people that are going through a hard time, because you know I've been there. You know, I understand that whatever you're going through, it might like, and 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 I'm going to use the Eric Thomas quote. You know, it might it might last an hour, it might last a day, it might last a week, it might last a month, it might last a year or years. But at some point, you're going to get through it. Like, you're going to get through it. And, yeah. you know, I know that's hard for people to, hunt, to hear that are going through a hard time. But I've been there. I mean, I've been there at the point of, I'm, you know, am I being a good husband? Am I being a good father? Am I doing what I need to do for my family? And at so, at, at, a lot of times, the, I was answering that question like, I don't think I am. You know, and, and as a man, as a man, like that's a hard, that's a hard discussion. That's a very hard discussion to have with yourself. With yourself, yeah. <laughs> you know. Very, very, very difficult. I mean, uh, if I could just jump in quickly, because, you know, a lot, a lot has happened to me in the last, um, you know, I started the podcast and I started the mental health thing because um, I think it's really, really important and I have no problem telling people that I do take medication every morning to help with my, I was dealing with panic attacks. I have no problem talking about that. You know, there's, there were, there will be people who will shame, who will, they, I call them pill shamers um, that says, well, you can't do this by yourself. Well, I, I, I tried as much as I could to do it by myself and it wasn't working. And I decided that I needed to go on medication. And to be honest, the medication has helped me tremendously in, in my, I have a very stressful job. I work in the operating room. I was dealing with panic attacks and, you know, I, I started taking the medication, but the fact that I take the medication doesn't mean that's all I'm doing. Right. Um, I do a lot of meditation and I started my page really just, it was basically, I started it as, me and my buddy had wanted to put all these workouts up, really hard workouts that really tested your mental strength. And it blew up and it turned into this thing where people were doing these workouts all over the world. And it became incredible. And black, back then it was called bloodshed training. Um, and it was what it, what it was for me. It was like Mark was just talking about. Mark and I are similar because what gets us feeling, I guess, relaxed or in a good place is working out. So these workouts on Sundays were long and grinding workouts, but what they did for me and everybody else was, was taught, okay, I got a 60 minute workout. It's going to be hard, but I'm going to get through it. Right. And a lot of the people that took part in that enjoyed that aspect of, listen, it's Sunday. This is how I look at it. It's Sunday. A lot of people aren't doing anything. This is the time to step up and really test your mental strength. And I think for me, that's the most important piece. I just finished working out. Working out is a huge piece of my life. I mean, it's from the days, you know, working out with, with Mark at Fairfield, you know, like I tell people, if you're not working out, do it, do something, go for walks, 
um, you know, get a sweat. And like I said, even if you're going for a 20 minute walk, that has a major impact on your mental health. Oh, oh. It's, it's, it's funny because yeah. you, know, you look you, like I listen to Joe Rogan and they do the uh, sober October. And, and he was talking with David Goggins and he's like, after a three hour workout, you don't care. Like you just don't care about anything because you you've just yeah. put yourself through, through, through like torture for 180 minutes and you're like you know you go back into your house hey this needs to get sure i got you sure. like I, I i can do this but i know like if i go a couple of days without working out i'm not that nice of a person to be around like okay. and i'm on and everybody knows it like my wife we, we just came back from vacation and you know, this was probably the first vacation she didn't have to tell me to go work out because I, my two older children were like, Dad, we're going to work out. Okay. <laughs> you know, great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and too, and, and also, you know, my wife uh, is a former a tremendous All-American track athlete, ran track at URI, just a tremendous athlete. And her and I are exactly the same. You know, we She's deal with anxiety. <laughs> She's a better athlete for sure. Um, I just found out, uh, Chris, and I don't know, Mark, I've gotten to the boxing world. Like I'm hitting that bag. And um, I just found out that she's actually uh, better than me. So um, we can, like, we're, we're on this app and we can, you know, see who has the highest score. And she's like beating my scores. So it's a little, we have a little uh, thing going on in, in the house. Uh, but with my wife is the same thing. It's, you know, I, she was born and bred to work out. That was her escape per se. Right. To like, she, she has a very stressful job too. I'm not, I'm not saying everyone doesn't have stressful jobs, but you know, she works with older folks, physical therapy at their home. And sometimes, you know, the only way to relieve that stress is to go hammer a workout. And right now for me, is hammering the heavy bag. I, I am obsessed with it. Just, um, just be, for, just for, be. The, for the for the time being. If you want to make yourself feel better, I suggest you and your wife go do jujitsu. Because if she doesn't know anything, yeah. at least for a little while, you'll be able to use your size against her. It'll feel real good. But then when she starts learning technique, you know, yeah. you're gonna have to find something else because yeah. it's all over at that point. I, I tell her because she'll call. She's like, I'll just be. I just beat your score. And I'm like, listen. <laughs> I'm a heavyweight. All right. I'm a heavyweight. You're more of finesse and quick punches. I'm going in for that kill shot. I'm Tyson. Right? But uh no, it's, it's uh it's fun. And you know, Mark's on the mat. I just don't know. I've had seven shoulder surgeries. I don't know if getting on the mat would be a good idea. I'd love to do it. So I know Mark is. You guys both are doing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not in in training right now. It's it's been a while, but um, by far anything that I've ever done, it's it's the the best workout. Um, oh, physically yeah, I hear and mentally. You know, but yeah. especially mentally. You know, like Mark was Mark was saying. You know, um, that after workout, after three hour workout, you know, everything just kind of brushes off of you. When I was at yeah. my height training in martial arts, you know, it, it's, it, it, it's, you don't recognize how much you can take until yeah. you stop doing it. And then you start that slow decline down. And I literally could see it through the years. You know, I, something would bother me and I'd be like, you know, just two years ago, I, I wouldn't even recognize that that was happening. So yeah, it, it's almost as double-edged sword sometimes because some of the things I should have paid attention to, but I was so in shape and I was so strong that I, I could just let it go. You know, there, there was things I was not dealing with because I was so strong, you know, that when I- Are you talking about your mental, about your, the cancer? No, not even, even before that, just, okay. just, just even okay. way before that, just in general, things that would come up, you know, yep. family stress, relationship stresses, things that I could just, you know, didn't even pay attention to before that I probably should have been paying attention to just because I was so yeah. in shape and so, so fit and so strong. And I, I equate that mostly to jujitsu. It, it's the martial arts in general that I did, but I know that just going to jujitsu every day and 
struggling against someone else who's trying to dominate you is there, there's there's nothing comparable you know especially when you start being able to apply technique and get out yeah. of situations and survive all of that just you know it it it, it comes into your system it's it's yeah. what i think it, it's my interpretation a lot of the ancient martial arts texts talk about internal strength you know physical strength is yeah. muscles and sure. your bone structure but internal strength is something spiritual and yeah that's where what i feel i got out of jujitsu yeah and, and, and just to piggyback on that because what what what's happening to me now is you know i played football I lifted heavy weights for a long time. I took on this new sport of boxing that I never paid attention to. And I think what's helped me so much over the course of the last six months, which have been hell, is the boxing. Because like you were talking, get, you know, when you're on your mat, you're learning new things. I think that's so important. Yeah. Like mental health and mental strength is like the idea that Listen, I had never done this before, but now look at me. I'm putting these combos in. I'm learning things. I think the idea of stepping, and we, we, get, we all talk about this, the comfort zone. Get out of the comfort zone. But that's very important because what the comfort zone does is makes you do it, and it also makes you learn it, right? And I think what's really powerful for mental strength is learning something new. I think that's tremendous. I think that's like almost like, you know, it gives you, it gives you something new to do. It gives you another outlet, right? And it gives you confidence in yourself that, shit, I never picked up boxing gloves in my life, but I'm doing all these combos now. And it just makes you feel good about yourself. Yeah, you guys I, I think that, you know, on a physical and uh, on a physical and biological level, you know, when you learn new things, your, your, your brain is, is, is literally growing and, you know, yes. your brain likes to grow. Like it, it's a way to get you out of funk because you're stimulating everything, all the, all the neurons in, inside your head. Yeah. And like, you know, listen, when I was doing CrossFit, I loved CrossFit. I was in great shape, but it was the same thing over and over. I wasn't really learning much. I was just going in there, lifting heavy weights and going home. You know, with boxing, you know, boxing is a sport that teaches you how to use your head, right? It teaches you how to breathe correctly. Yeah. Okay. Because how they how the app has it set up is like you're gonna go three rounds, say you're doing an eight-round workout, you do three rounds and they give you a minute rest, just like you would be in the ring. So no matter how hard you went for those three rounds, you better figure out a way to get yourself calmed down. And that's helped me out in the real world. It's like, okay, take a deep breath. Cause it, in boxing, they talk about breathing, you know, breathing correctly through your nose, out through your mouth, filling up your stomach. And it's helped me in every aspect of my life. You should, uh, you should, you should, you should get the legs involved. Start doing kickboxing. That's going to take you to the next level. Oh, I, so I'm starting to do that more. My wife, that's my wife's like favorite. She, she enjoys like the kickboxing. Yeah. And, um, but I, I didn't realize too, uh, just getting on this boxing thing is that, you know, throwing punches is like a, a tremendous core workout. <laughs> you know, heavy punches. Like you, you look like, you watch like a guy like Tyson or like Mayweather. I mean, uh, Roy Jones Jr. I mean, those guys train, they're, they're athletes, really. My whole thing is I have, a, I have such a tremendous appreciation for those athletes that I had no idea about. I think there's a couple things. One, Owen, you should be terrified if you go in and your face is all over the boxing, boxing uh, bags and your wife's in there punching and kicking them. <laughs> so be, be very terrified of that. Two, I think the, 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 um, the change up for you guys will be when you when you start working with a boxing instructor and you have to hit the mitts with them. But the biggest thing that I think all three of us have hit on with this is that you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Right. And, and that's the real big thing, you know, uh, when, I was, 
when I was doing jujitsu for, I was doing jujitsu for like three years, every day, Monday through Friday, when I was working at the new Canaan Y. So my day would start off in the worst possible positions. So the rest of the day was like, whatever, nobody's trying to choke me or kill me or arm bar me or break, a, break one of my legs off. Um, but it was fun. It was like, it, it was a good time. It was, you know, it's the reason I'm bringing my children to it now. It's like, I want you to understand, like, you're going to be in bad positions in life. Yeah. You have to be able to take a deep breath, figure out how to figure out how to get out of this bad position and turn it into it, turn it into a good position for you. Yeah. And that's kind of what jiu-jitsu does. I mean, everybody gets in a bad spot. What are you going to do when somebody has your back and has you in a choke position? Well, you can't panic because if you panic, you're going to get choked. If you don't move, you're, you're done. Gonna get choked. So you better figure it out. Like there's a, there's a, right. there's a, there's a counter to every move and there's a move to every counter. So, you know, the best way that most of the instructors that I've worked with, it's, it's kinetic chest. So you're going to move one way. I'm going to move one way. I'm going to move another way. And at some point, one of us is going to catch the other person. And that's just the way I it is. The idea. I, I love the idea of the sport. I really do. I think it's tremendous. I, I don't know if you've heard of my podcast, Mark. I had a guy named Adam Pekila. I went to high school with him and he's big he in the told sport. told me about him. Yeah. And, um, you know, just like you were saying, I mean, you, you start something like that. It's 5 a.m. in the morning. Like the rest of your day is, is not going to be compared to someone trying to choke you out. You know, so, I mean, you know, it gives you, it, it, it kind of brings me back to like, people kind of, people laugh when I say this, but I think this is really important. It's like, you go back to the, you go back to like cold showers. I was, I was taking them for a little bit, but the idea of a cold shower is a, I think it's very good for your anxiety. I, you know, people say in the morning when they take it, they get rejuvenated. Uh, they get a little bit more energy. I find at night when I take it, I get more relaxed. But the beauty of a cold shower, if you tell someone, I am taking a cold shower, the, the first reaction, the first reaction is, why would you ever do that? Right? <laughs> it's, but I think the, 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 you're, whoever is asking that question is missing the point, is we go back to the comfort thing. A five-minute cold shower has such an impact on you mentally in the if you do it in the morning, because it's something that you have. You're you're like, oh god, I gotta get in here. I gotta get in here. But when you get out, it's an accomplishment for you. You go into the day without even leaving the house, having already accomplished something that most people wouldn't do. And it goes back to the you know the comfort level and et cetera, et cetera. You know, things in life, for me, for example, with this heart thing that I'm dealing with, you know, and Mark, you talk about this, is shit is going to happen in life, hmm. right? You can either take a step back, sob, cry in your suit, or try to turn it into something positive, right? It's, um, you know, for me, with my heart thing is... What is happening to me right now, and I'm gonna eventually need my aortic valve replaced because I was born with a bicuspid valve, et cetera. Just found out about this. Um, but for me, what it's doing is it's preparing me for the rest of my life. It's putting me through a very difficult situation that in reality, it's only gonna make me a stronger person, right? You know, it's only going to make me stronger. And at the end of the day, I have a two-year-old son that needs me. I can't just throw my hands up in the air and say, oh, man, I got this hard thing, and, and I, I, can't, I can't do it. I get off the couch. I can't do anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think uh, the other things that come into play here, um, at least for my situation, is, is the fear, you know. When I, when I first got diagnosed with cancer, that, that was the, the, the biggest thing was the fear that came over me and put me into an anxiety attack because I was thinking about my kids and my wife, you know, 
Mark, you, you've talked about this before. This is something we had similar and all, and I'm sure it's the same for you. But it's like, as a man, you know, you put a certain amount of pressure on yourself to perform for your family. And when the possibility of that, the possibility of you not being able to do that comes up, that, right. that, that, that sent me into places I've never been before because yeah. I've always been able to shake things off, go get a workout, you know, and, and be able to, um, you know, mentally get past whatever it was. This was something much, much different. Um, right. Partially because there was a point in time where everything was up in the air and, and, you know, you know, was this something that was going to be benign or was it something that's already riddled all the way through my body? And there was probably a good two week period, three week period where I, I didn't, I didn't know. And I had to start finding other ways to cope with it and, you know, not being able to partake in physical activity. Um, I had to do something else, which was, which was meditate. Um, I actually, I was just going to say what happened with me is meditation. I'm telling you, I'm doing it for the last three months has helped me tremendously get through all of this with, because there was a month where I, I had no clarity on what was going on with my heart and meditation, meditating every single night was, was my, my outlet. Hmm. Well, yeah. and, and I think, you know, there's a couple things, you know, I, I, I meditate every morning as I go into work, I say the rosary. So 10, 10, our fathers, 10 Hail Marys, 10 glory bees, no music, no nothing as I'm driving into work. So that's kind of sets my, my base for the day. Um, getting back on the cold showers, you know, I use the importance of making your bed, you know, yeah. it, it, it's stacking a win. You know, the more wins that you can stack in a day, the better. Um, and it might be for those people that like are trying to lose weight. It might be, hey, I got I got a 20 minute walk in or I didn't eat. I didn't eat that donut or it's like, you know, you want to lose 20 pounds. Well, the first week. Try not to gain any weight. OK, first week, don't worry about don't worry about losing weight. Don't put any more weight on. Um for those people like for us that are dealing with mental stuff and physical stuff, you know, a lot, of, I think a lot of the problem that, that happens is the information overload that you can get into. Yeah. When you start going down the rabbit hole of whatever physical ailment or whatever is going on with you, you start Googling things, you start. You that's you know, a bad place. It's a horrible place. Yeah. I mean, and, and maybe. When maybe um, a bad place. What's up? WebMD is a terrible place to go. <laughs> and here's the thing. Maybe I was naive about this, but I didn't look at anything when I was going through all of my stuff. I didn't, you know, I went to the doctors. They told me what was going on. They told me what they were going to do. They explained everything to me in detail. I got multiple opinions from doctors, yeah. different doctors and everything like that. You know, when you're sitting in, when you're sitting in a room, and you have all these neuro people discussing what's going on with you and none of them can agree what's wrong with you. Yeah. You know, I, I tell, I've told this story, uh, you know, Kelly and I were in one of the rooms with the doctor and he's like, it could be this, 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 and this. And my wife looked at him pain face and was like, I could fucking guess. And I just start dying. I was, I, I was laughing my ass off because she had, she had had enough. It was like, yeah. All right, you guys are getting paid. You guys are the quote experts. Let's figure out what's wrong and let's take care of it. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the, the thing with the internet is, you know, you can, I know from my experience, people said it, don't go on the internet. And I mean, I, I, I could see that from my experience because I would be up at late at night, you know, flipping through and, and getting more and more anxious, you know, but it, it's, it's almost this, this, this double-edged sword too, because you want to know what's going on. You want to know. You, you yeah. want to figure out what's happening to you and why, so you can fix it, right? So you're, you're almost trying to not diagnose yourself, but at the end of the day, 
you, you've got doctors that know what they're doing and they're smart, but they're humans. They, and they right. don't know everything, right? This, this whole thing, testicular cancer, if, if you were to have a can, if you were to have a cancer, <laughs> you don't want, you don't want any cancer, but if you, if you had to have one, there's a lot of drawbacks to this, but testicular cancer is one of the most curable cancers. It's like 96 to 99% curable. When caught yeah. early. But they don't know why it happens. There, there's crazy. like this small percentage, like if you know you happen to be like near a nuclear radiator and your balls touched it, okay, well then that's probably how you got it. Other than that, I was near no, no nuclear radiation. I don't know how it happened, and 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 no one, no one does, but they know how to fix it. You know, so yeah. There, yeah. there's this and, part about doctors and science. You know, every a lot of times people put them up on a pedestal, but they're human beings too. And, and they know the science so well, they know what's possible, what's not, but they're dealing right. with human beings and they can't, they can't allude to all of that because they know that they could send someone into a panic attack. Yeah, exactly. Know? I mean, you know, two things from that is one, I think all three of us on, on this conversation going through our hardships is, okay, we want to know what the F is going on and we want to fix it immediately, Yeah. right? That's my mentality. Tell me what's going on. Tell me what I need to do to fix it, okay? Don't sit around and say, it could be this, it could be that, it could be this, it could be that, okay? I work with orthopedic surgeons. They're my customers, okay? And I'm going to tell you point blank that, you know, um, I would say 65% of them um, probably shouldn't be practicing. No, that's a little high, 40%. But what happens is when you have an MD at the end of your name, the population automatically assumes you know everything, right? You know, you know how to fix this. You know how to do this. You know how to diagnose this. You know how to do all this stuff. But in reality, some of them know all the answers. Some of them are very, very smart. Some of them might not know all the answers, and some of them don't know all the answers. You know, they're human beings just like the rest of us. Like, you know. Um, the other thing that plays into that is complacency too. You know, they, yeah. they go through all their schooling. They, they, they get their doctorate. They go through their residencies. But then that's it for some of them, not all of them. I mean, it's the same thing in everything. I, I was in construction and I, I, was, I was a safety manager. And complacency was always the reason that someone got hurt or an accident happened, period, end of story. And it's the same thing with doctors. You know, right. They, they get, you know, they get fed a line of stuff from corporations, you know, what to give their, 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 their clients and, you know, what certain drugs to push and that type of thing from corporate America. And they just accept it. A lot of them don't yeah. do more research or you go that extra mile. You have, you have great doctors that do, but I think well, that's the majority just, of them. I was just yeah, I was just going to say the best doctors that I work with, the best surgeons that I work with are always learning and doing research and finding new ways to improve themselves. Those yeah. are the best doctors. The, the ones that aren't the best are the ones that sit back and say, listen, I'm an MD. I know how to do this. I know how to do that. And they become complacent. My best surgeons are the ones who are always trying to figure out the best solution for their patients. Okay. What's new? What's out there? What are some new products I can I can provide for my patients? Research, putting together research papers are very important in the orthopedic world. So that's like going from the complacency thing. That's what separates a lot of these guys and gals on who's the best and who's just kind of half-assing. Yeah. Well, when it comes down to yourself and, and you're sick and you're going through all this, and if it's a physical, something physical that limits you and you can't go out and exercise. I know from my experience, it was meditation that got me through that. And specifically, you know, Owen, you mentioned that when something happens to us, we're men, we're fathers, we need to take care of our family. We need to figure out what's going on and fix it right away so we can get back to being on top and, and doing things for our family. Is, is that mm -hmm. accurate? You guys yeah. felt that way too? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Not mm -hmm. at all. 
it, it it's when when you have those the these things put in front of you that you can't go through you have no choice but to let go we hold on so tight that we want to fix things we and you know what the universe or god or whatever the fuck put something in our way to teach us a lesson to let go cuz we're not in control and that's what meditation helped me with i would yeah, get out I mean, of these meditations and i'd be like fuck it let's go yeah i'm not in control you know and what's really what i took you know you hate things like this hard thing to make you open your eyes to certain things in your life but sometimes you know bad things happen and it opens up a, you know some more clarity in your head and what it did for me was you know i'm not superman i'm not 23 years old i'm not 18 years old anymore i have a child i have a family and what this did for me was say listen i'm not here forever right so instead of getting myself concerned and trying to figure out how to fix it what i did was I took that time and effort that I would put into that. And I spent more time with my son, you know, it's, it bring, it, it really dumbs things, things down. Like you could be so successful. You could make all this money. You could have this big house, but at the end of the day, there's two things that are always matter. And if you don't have these two things, you don't have anything, your family and your health. Yeah. And, health scare with me was a major eye-opener to say i can't do anything if i'm not healthy i can't sell all this stuff i can't be successful i can't do this i can't hang out with my son if i'm not healthy you know and my dad has preached this from day one my dad played in the nfl had a really bad um upbringing family wise and he always teaches me this is that Fam, it's health, family, work. I don't give a crap what's going on anywhere else. Those two things are going to take you through. If you have those things, things on lockdown, family and health, that's really all you need. Everything else is kind of like, it's not BS, but everything else is kind of just, it's here. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I think, you know, part of, getting through a, a mental situation is, is your social circle for, for certain. I know wow. in mine, you know, and, and again, as men, we, we tend to bottle things up and just kind of charge forward. You know, we don't share a lot of things with people, but when you get to a situation where you're desperate, all those people start coming out of the woodwork because they love you and they're there, they're oh, there for you. You know, and I know in my situation, you know, my wife, my two kids, my two stepchildren, um, my parents, and then there was that, you know, it was that was that was the core people that were around me. And then there was three other people, you know, my um, I had a, um, a, a, a spiritual lady, you know, that that helped me through a lot of stuff. I had my sister who had dealt with a lot of anxiety issues and kind of figured out ways to, to self heal herself was helped helped me a lot. And then lucky me, I actually had a cousin who's probably one of the top urologists in the country who I could reach out to and ask questions. And, you know, a lot of it was this scientific a, stuff, the, these odds, you know, and just being able to talk to him because, you know, back to the doctors, they give you a diagnosis of, of, of stuff and they ramp your fears up again. You know, there's, there's not a lot of content or perspective to it. It's just like, okay, you have a one in 25 chance that you're going to lose your other ball. See you later. Yeah. Well, we'll see you in the next one. Schedule another appointment, you know, but I, I yeah. luckily I, I could reach out to my cousin to get more perspective on it. And I was very, very lucky for that. So your social circle is important for your mental yeah. And, and two, you know, me, Mark, you chime in. I feel like Mark's got a bunch of stuff he wants to say. But um, no, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just enjoying the conversation, fellas. I'll for get me, in. I, 
I just want to get on here and, and just tell whoever's listening. I just want to talk about my story very quickly. Okay. Um, so I'm very, I was, uh, we're very healthy people. I, maybe I could lose a, you know, 10 pounds, whatever, but I was, I had the stomach bug and, um, I was puking for, this was like six or seven weeks ago. I was puking violently for three days. So my, um, my work wanted a, a doctor's note because I was out for three days. Oh, fine. No worries. So I go down to urgent care down the road to get his doctor's note. And uh, I get in there and the woman listens to my heart. The doctor face goes as pale as a piece of paper is white. And she goes, EKG immediately is something wrong with your heart. And she goes, I think you had a heart attack. So um, I'm freaking out. Okay. So they hooked me up to an EKG and my EKG is all over the place. So she goes, you need to go to the hospital. I think you had a heart attack. And I'm in panic mode. And she's like, I don't want you to drive there. Do you need to get an ambulance? And I was like, ambulance? I was like, I just have the shits. Like, you know, like I have the shit. I'm throwing up and I have the shits. Like, why do I need an ambulance? But um, so I was like, no, my, you know, my wife can pick me up. So I had to sign this waiver to say, uh, we offered him an ambulance. He declined. If he dies on the way, we're not liable. Hmm. So when I said that, I was like, well, this is real shit right now. So I'm outside and waiting for my wife and she can't get me because my, my son's like acting up. So I said, fuck it. I drove myself. <laughs> I drive myself, drive to Danbury hospital. Um, and I get there, they hook me up, blah, blah, blah. Take all these blood tests, all this stuff. And they come back and say, listen, you didn't have a heart attack. Everything is fine. I'm like, great. I can go home. No, you can't go home. The cardiologist wants to look at your heart. Okay. So cardiologist does a, um, like an echocardiogram and in Danbury hospital, I can see them sitting at their desks in my bed. So I see them do it. And I see them talking about what's going on with me. So I'm like, Oh, fuck. here we go. So they come in and two of them, he goes, listen, I, you, you need to stay overnight. We got to do more tests. He's like, um, there's something wrong with your pulmonary valve and there's something really wrong with your aortic valve. And I'm just like, I do nothing about the heart at that point. So I, I want to get on here and talk about this. Cause I, I think it's important for people who maybe think they're in really good shape, and aren't getting physicals and aren't doing that. I was in that boat. So I get to the hospital, I stay overnight. They do a, a, a more intense echocardiogram. And the guy, the cardiologist comes back and says, um, listen, uh, you have aortic valve disease. And I'm just like, what is that? You know, and he's, and basically what happens is um, the blood goes into your lungs, gets oxygenated, comes down into your left ventricle. Your left ventricle, let's say hypothetically, takes 20 ounces. I'm just throwing a number out there. Pumps it up, goes through your aortic valve that opens up, shoots through your aorta and goes to the rest of your body. Now, I was born with a bicuspic aortic valve, which means that instead of having three flaps, I only have two flaps, okay? So it doesn't work correctly. So what I have is called aortic regurgitation, where the blood will shoot up, but since it's not closing and opening correctly, the blood comes down back into the left ventricle, and that causes stress on your heart. Now, I... The next day when I was there, I got a cardiac catheterization where they put the catheter up into your heart and pump blue dye. And after that test, there's something called um, an ejection fraction, which is very important in the heart world. Basically, someone who has a healthy heart, those 20 ounces, well, I'm just throwing this number out, 75% of those 20 ounces is going to get pumped to the rest of your body. That's a healthy heart. When I left Danbury Hospital, mine was at 50, okay? And anything below 50, you need surgery, okay? You have to get the valve replaced or you're gonna build what they call aortic stenosis where calcium builds up on the flaps because it wasn't built correctly and calcium's rock solid. It's hard as a rock and it slowly closes and that's how people go into cardiac arrest. So. For me, I left the hospital with 
very little clarity. All I knew was that I need a valve replacement. Okay. I'm at 50%. Okay. And I didn't get much from the doctors. I was very unclear. And I, and they wanted me to get an MRI. Now a cardiac MRI. I don't know, Mark, have you gotten one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're nuts. I mean, for 90 minutes, I basically had to breathe in, breathe out, hold my breath for three seconds, do that a few times, then six, then nine. I think I went all the way up to 20 something, then back down for 90 minutes. But the way they can get the best picture of your heart is when you're not breathing. So I get out of there and I'm dripping sweat, blah, blah, blah. And the girl's like, I got great pictures, unbelievable pictures. So I see my cardiologist the next day and he says, basically the pictures that he got, it looked like someone had taken my heart out and was looking at like this is 4K, you know, they could see everything. And it turns out that that ejection fraction is actually at 59, right? But I still have aortic valve disease and it's still gonna deteriorate, but I'm not gonna need a replacement until maybe five years. I don't know, it depends. I, I have to get checkups every year, et cetera, to make sure that the valve is okay. But just going back for about a month that meditation told me, I was like, you know, you, you have this, this huge thing happen to you and you walk out with these doctors saying, well, it could be this, it could be that. You have no clarity. And for me, that was the hardest part, not having any clarity. I knew something was wrong, but they didn't know exactly what was wrong. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then finally, and he showed me all this stuff. Finally, I had some clarity. Now, for us, that was very good news because her, my wife and I had COVID. I had COVID twice. We went through some crazy stuff this year. And to tack heart surgery on it just was going to make things just, I, we would have got through it, but just a lot harder. Um, so that's <laughs> cherry, kind of, cherry on top for your years, <laughs> open heart surgery. Uh, <laughs> open heart, yeah, yeah. Just everything that's going on. Uh, by the way, you're gonna have to get open heart uh, when this is all said and done. But you know, just kind of getting on here and letting people know that your health is really, really important because if you don't have it, you really don't have anything else. I mean, you have your family, and Chris, like you were talking about, when this was going on, you you kind of realize who's the, like in your not that people aren't, aren't in in your corner, but who's really in your corner, right? Like who, you know, you talk about all oh, these people are in my circle, but like, who's really in your circle, yep. you know? Yep. And, you know, as I've gotten older, my circle has gotten smaller, which I'm okay with that. You know, I, you know, I just need my family, a couple of close friends and that's it, you know? You know as so I, as I talk with my kids about friends, it's like, I'm like, listen, you need like three or four really close friends. And what I mean by that is like, you can call them up at two o'clock in the morning They'll drop whatever's going on in their life and they will help you. They'll either come to wherever you're at in the world or they'll, they'll, they'll talk with you. I mean, and that's, yeah. that's, that's always been, you know, my definition of a close friend, you know, as you get older, you cut, you cut the peripheral bullshit away. Like, you know, at 50, you get if I want to hang out with you, I want to hang out with you. If I don't want to hang out with you, I don't. <laughs> You know, and it's not, it might, it's nothing personal. It's like, I do things with my off time that I like, I like doing, you know, and most of it's spending time with my friends and family. Yeah, we've talked, we've talked about this a lot. It's like, you know, if, if the people that are in your life right now are in the way of you getting towards where you need to go and causing you to take a step forward and take two steps back, then that's a problem. Like, I, I, you know, it's harsh to say you have to eliminate those people, but if they're not helping you get to where you have to go, then are they really, do you really want them in your life? I mean, yeah, they can be acquaintances, but your close friends and the people that are around you are the people that need to be pushing you saying, oh, and you're going to get through this. This is what's happening. Let me connect you with this person. Talk, talk to me, call me. If I, you know, if I need to talk to you at two o'clock in the morning, that's it. You know, it's like those, I've realized so much about people probably in the last six weeks that I guess who's real and who's not real. You know what I mean? 
Yep. That makes sense. Definitely. Definitely. The funny thing, getting back to that cardiac MRI, when I got mine, I got mine like a decade, 15 years ago. So I had to go into New York City and the technician was from Eastern Europe, Eastern European. So he had an accent. So I couldn't understand a damn word he said. <laughs> so he didn't, he didn't tell me how the test was going to go. He was like, you know, I'm going to tell you to inhale. I'm going to tell you to exhale. When I tell you to exhale, you're going to have to hold, you're going to have to hold it until I tell you to inhale again. And this went on for right. like, like you said, this went on for like 30, 45 sure. minutes, an hour. Like, so he'd be like, exhale. And I'm like, I'm, you're in a tube. You're in, you're in the, the MRI tube. And you're like, okay, can I breathe yet? <laughs> yeah. and, and there was like one time that I had to, I had to inhale because I was going to pass out. Yeah, he was yeah, like, yeah. all right, we got to do that. We got to do that one again. I was like, okay. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> I said to the, I said to the nurse after I was like, I'm like, how does anyone, because, you know, majority of these people that, that are getting these cardiac MRIs aren't 38. I'm like, how does a 70-year-old do this or a 75-year-old do this? She's like, they don't. You know, they go off of what the cardiac catheterization said. And I don't know, have you ever got one of those tests, Mark, where they put a, the catheter up? They put it up my wrist, but normally I think they go up the groin. Uh, the, the times that they've gone up my groin, they've, they've gone to like, take care of the AFib. So okay, the, yeah. the first time they, they, the first time they froze it. And then the second time they went up and they, and they heated it. And the second time they're like, it's going to hurt a little bit more. You're going to have a little more like, um, right. heartburn, a heartburn sensation. And I was yep. like, I don't care. I just don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. I, it's a funny story about that. I don't know what's going on with my lighting here, but. I look really dark right now. Um, what's, what, what happened there is a funny story. Maybe, maybe can it, you close the blinds behind you? Maybe it's the, the light coming in from behind you. Better. Oh, that's the <laughs> there you go. Um, but, you know, when you get the, cat, the cardiac catheterization, they give you meds, like sleeping or whatever, something to relax you. And most people go to sleep. And the nurse was like, because I was really concerned that they were going to find a blockage. And the guy was like, if there's a blockage, I'm putting a stent in. So I was like, so nervous about that. So the, the nurse is like pumping me with like um, these drugs. And she's like, are you okay? Like I've given you like double or triple the amount I normally give someone. I was like, to the nurse, I was like, listen, don't even worry about that. No, I don't care what you give me, nothing is going to like make me go to sleep. I need to know what's going on here. You know? So I was like, I'm an elephant right now. You can just keep pumping me with nothing's going to change. I'm not going to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> See, I went the um, other way with all, with all my hard stuff. I would go in and they'd give me the Michael Jackson co a cocktail and I'd go to sleep. They put a pat on my front, pat on my back, zap me. And I wake up 10 minutes later and all right, see you in a, see you in a month. <laughs> right. Right. You know, I think um, um, one of the things that uh, actually a recent experience for me um, that I would want to talk to people who are going through mental issues or mental issues connected to physical disease or something that you have going on. And I'm sure you guys have been through this too. You know, the techniques that we're using, um, just like anything else, it's like playing a sport or working out, it, it requires practice. And you're going to have step backs, you know, so Mark knows this, the, the past two weeks I've been on edge again because I thought I was having an issue in my other testicle. Test just came back last night. I'm okay. Um, yeah. Hey. Thumbs up. Um, well, double thumbs up for you guys. One thumbs up for me. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, um, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a little bit of a, of a step back. I started having anxiety again. I started thinking about things. I started reading again, but you know, I had already had that mental software upgrade, you know, so I was equipped mentally and I had, um, techniques to use to kind of get me, right. get me through this, yeah. you know? But it's an on, you know, if you have ongoing issues, it's a building process. It's not going to happen overnight. You got to be 
aware. You got to practice it. Yeah. yeah you got to do it every day. It's hard. It's not easy. You know, the meta, you know, I tell my wife about the meditation. The meditation is really difficult, but if you can stick with it, um, it's, it's tremendous what it does for, because really what it does is it brings you into the present moment in a world where everyone is just trying to move as fast as possible. You know, like if you just sit back and dumb it down, even with my son, it's like, you know, you dumb it down. He's like learning how to talk and like, weren't, you know, my wife is, sorry guys, my wife is giving me Aja about getting off, but uh, <laughs> wrap it up. <laughs> uh, I, if we can pick a time to do another like part two, cause I feel like we have so much more to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just a little plug for uh, one of our previous podcasts. We had uh, Dr. Brent Denkinon, who's a sports psychologist, and he talked about the physiology that actually happens when you do meditation. And yeah. you take literally the, the energy from your amygdala, which is, Mark, help me if I butcher this, which is in the, the back of your, your brain. And it's, you know, a ancient structure. It's reptilian. You take the energy from there and, you know, it has to do with, survival and fear and, and that type of thing. And you move it to your left prefrontal cortex, which has to do with happiness. So you're literally shifting the, your, your brain, the, the different parts of your brain that are stimulated from one of fear and survival to just being in the present moment and being happy. Yeah. So as far as, as far as the brain goes, the only one, the part I know is the medulla oblongata. And that's because of, uh, you know, my, my main Water Adam boy. Sandler. Exactly. Oh yeah. Adam Sandler. Exactly. The medulla oblongata. Um, <laughs> Happiness so, is little, little rays of sunshine that come down when you're feeling blue. Right. Right. Um, right. Guys, you know, the way I looked at it and I know we got to cut it, cut it soon. Um, you know, with all my physical, with all the things that I, I've gone through, I looked at it as somebody just tapping me on the shoulder and being like, yo, you need to, you need to, you need to slow down. Like, and yep. you need to, and you need to control alt delete it, you know, for those people that are familiar with, with computers. Like I, I just needed to reboot and, and like, Hey, dumb, dummy, like you're focusing on the wrong things. Yeah. You know? And, and it's like, now that I can look back and I'm like, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't present. I wasn't where I needed to be. I was always worried about the next thing. Like, okay, I'm here, but I want to be here. Well, but you're here. So you need to worry about being here and then, and then getting to there will take care of itself. Yeah. yeah. You know, so many people and, and, and especially in today's society, everybody's worried about the next thing. Well, you're not going to get to the next thing if you don't worry about where you presently are at. You know, right. all the people that I've worked with have been like, Mark, you need to do the job that you're doing at the highest level possible. And that will get you to where you want to get to. But if you're worried about where you're getting to, you're not going to take care of what you need to take care of in order to get there. Right. The There's an illusion. The only thing that's exactly. guaranteed right now is this moment. This moment. Yep. This moment. Guys, so, oh, and take so, us out. No, 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 last no, no, last gotta, thoughts and <laughs> let everyone know where they can contact you, socials, websites, that type of thing. Uh, yeah. So listen, I pre I want to do a part two because I, I have so much more to talk. I shaved my head. Attaboy. Um, Looking good. Welcome to the club. <laughs> my wife, my wife is giving me desters. Um, listen, I want to do a part two. I want you guys on my podcast. Um, go check out. It's at uh, Mental Strength Project on Instagram. Just go check that out. I appreciate you guys having me on. I really do. Awesome. One last thing, because all the athletes, that, all the former athletes that we've had on get to tell one Coach Spellman story that they still remember or they find or they found funny. So go. Uh, the worst Spellman story was freshman year coming in pre-camp, and I think we had a run around that dirt track like. It felt like 1,000 times. And um, I also remember, too, just sophomore year in college, coming back and having to run those 1,600-yard dashes on that cement, um, you know, the, the cement field we had. It, it yeah. got up like 120 degrees. And um, those were fun. <laughs> That's medieval, Spellman. Medieval. 
medieval yeah but Alan Alan it's it's been a pleasure you know getting to know you more as an individual and as a husband a father and as a person uh, we're definitely gonna do it we're gonna definitely do a number two what's up big fella my little guy hey there <laughs> he's gonna be a strong safety there you go all right guys i awesome. appreciate it all right thanks for coming on owen great to meet you man chris thanks so much you Bye. got it all my Everyone best brother else, god bless check us out well he's gone <laughs> he's gone <laughs> check us out on uh youtube apple podcast google podcast breaker a bunch of others if you want to be on the show Spotify. info at athletehackers.com I'm Chris Schrade. And I am Mark Spellman. As always, all my best. God bless. Keep getting after it. Be better, to, be better today so you can be better tomorrow. Peace. Peace.